Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fortnite Story. I'm joined alongside an analyst, content creator, caster, does a lot of different things, power lifter. Uh, welcome, Reese Hub. How are you doing, man? Yo, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. You know, this this is like the the, the start of my career. Speaking to you on a, on a podcast is throwing me back. Oh, doing it with one up a really long doing it time. With one ago. up, man, man. I miss my boy one up. I tell you that. Would you see? Do you still see him anytime? Um, I've spoken to one up occasionally like mm. uh actually he saw me doing the the saudi tournament and he reached out oh, to me he's cool. like yo what the hell like you're still doing <laughs> this stuff like yeah, yeah, yeah man um yeah we still in it man i know you're gone <laughs> we still here <laughs> but yeah for you guys that don't know one up analytics was like kinch analytics before mm. kinch was kinch so maybe they're the same person he just turned british um, I, i've i've seen both of their faces and i know that they Unless one of them's masking up, it's hard to say. <laughs> All right, so let's uh let's start off with you, Reese. How did you get started in Fortnite? You know, we're both adults playing yeah, a, a yeah. children's game. How how did you get into this? Uh, into playing was it was funny because I was like I'd taken a bit of a break from like gaming for a long time because I was working. You know that adult life, man. You know you you ain't got the time for it that much. Uh, and I'd been into games like my whole life mainly like Pokemon, RuneScape, Zelda, Halo, all these games are like my my go-tos. And I just remember hearing a bunch of stuff repeatedly over and over about the, the game Fortnite. Oh, yeah, it's a Fortnite game. And I, and I was like, mm -hmm. spoke to my flatmate Sandy about it. He wasn't sold. I was like, okay, no, okay, not that sold on it. That's fine. But then I messaged my friend Tom because I saw him playing it on Xbox at the time. He was like, it's free it's free <laughs> so i downloaded it right then it was like i think in roughly towards the end of like season three of chapter one i was like cool time to get started played 10 games took me 10 games to get my first kill it was absolutely a, i was so bad at it but i was like hooks like that okay and then how did you decide to even want to turn this into a career because now you've been doing this full time for for how long Two years now, two years. Well, technically, about about two. Yeah, no, actually, now that I look at the yeah, look at the date, two years. Uh, because well, it was all kind of coincidental because I originally started on Reddit, as as most other people do that analyze the game. Reddit crew checking in, <laughs> and I was just like, it fucking sucked. There's the first swear of the podcast, but it needed to be said for the to start <laughs> with. It sucked, right? And I was like, okay, I was helping people in the comments already. Like people were asking questions, and I was like. I say helping. I was trying to help them. I didn't really have that good of an understanding at the time. This would be like late 2019. And I would just kind of thought, man, rather than doing all this, I should just put this in a video. Like rather than, sp I was spending like an hour typing up result, like a massive big paragraphs to people who most of the time didn't even respond because they were just like <laughs> made a post. And I was like, you know, I could, I could spend all this time making like short little videos instead. So I started like putting little clips up, not even like full length videos or anything like that. And they started to do really good and i was like okay so I, I started uploading my own youtube at the same time and they were like literally one minute tips and small little tricks and things like that and it started going good and the, the youtube started to <clears throat> do well and then the the first real video i did i was like i want to i want to crack at some of these vod reviews like a proper in-depth analytical video and because Bala was basically the only one doing it at the time. I know Destiny's Jesus was still doing analytical stuff, but he wasn't really doing that specific VOD review style. And all of the the analytical shit was just like long, you know? It was it was like here's a like Bala would do like, you know, here's a an hour and a half VOD 
and yeah. I loved those videos. They were amazing. But I was like, some people aren't going to watch a full hour and a half. So I said, right, I'm going to condense like a whole tournament into like six games or something like that. And that one did really good straight away. It was like a thousand something views, maybe 2K views or something like that. Uh, and so I did another one and it ended up being like a console video that at the time was banging and it hit like 10K views like instantly. I think the channel after like two proper videos was at like one and a half K views or subs or something like that. I was like, okay, this this is re being received very well. So and then I just kind of kept at it from there on. People kept like shouting out the videos because they were different. And now I'm still doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> just much better at it now. Yeah, much. Well, I hope so. I, I, I do look back at those older videos, though. And I was like, man, I was a bit I was nuts like the the because I didn't know anything. So I would just like spend a week solid. I'd wake up at like nine in the morning and it was since it was like lockdown, couldn't go out, do anything. And I was on I wasn't working at that time because I was on uh, government pay because of lockdowns and stuff. So I was like, I was literally nine o'clock till like in the morning to like 11 o'clock at night, just like making videos all day and that was it it was extremely unhealthy but i learned like so much over like th those couple months yeah i mean you could tell the quality of your videos is very impressive i, I think you, you set the sa standard for like a competitive Fortnite video yeah. um and from what you just said like the baller long just vibe mm. style and then monster was doing those similar just like full game yeah, vibe yeah. styles um but condensing that down and making it digestible, I, I think, is the, the biggest value that you've brought. It's not simply you're providing analysis because there, there already was that analysis, but you're Definitely. making it easy for people to understand. And you're pointing out like difficult things, but then mm -hmm. making them simple or simple enough for like most people to figure out, OK, like that makes sense. They did this and that. Um, yeah, so that's always been the goal kind of like just oh, that has just been the goal like i'd rather i want to i always want to make like the sickest video i wanted to make a video at that time where someone was just be like I, you have to watch this like this is so cool you have to watch this and at the time i thought it was all like the editing will do that but in reality it's just like all of the stuff combined that will make it awesome uh but yeah i learned a lot early on let's say it <laughs> well and you do everything right because yeah uh, like thumbnail title yep. all the youtube stuff the editing all the analysis all the like notes the scripting the writing from start to finish yeah so I, that that process has developed a lot over that time though i tell you that much that's impressive man because I, I mean people i've had people ask me like oh who does ha reese have edit their videos <laughs> like bro he does that all himself mm -hmm. um it's, it's it's better in my eyes if you do because I, I know when I started, like, I didn't know how to edit videos, but I knew what a rubbish video looked like. So when I made one, I was like, okay, I watched it back and I instantly was just like, okay, this, this bit's rub looked bad. This bit looks bad. And it was, it was pretty fast in order to improve that. And early on, I like, I had this, uh, thought process where I was like, every video I make, I'm just going to learn one thing about like making videos. And after, you know, 50 videos like after like the first year or something like that i was like okay i know how to edit now cool <laughs> uh and even though it started like it looked good i actually was just like following tutorials on like one small thing like how to make professional looking text then figure that one out cool this video has some cool text transitions all that kind of stuff um so yeah just like all of those small things added up a lot 
Yeah, you told. I remember you telling me that a long time ago because I've yeah, asked yeah. you for like different help <laughs> and advice, and that's something that's helped me as well. And with uh-huh. within the the competitive Fortnite space, it is very particular to have mm-hmm. an editor that knows what they're doing. And definitely, I'm sure you've tried to find somebody that could properly do what's going on, and it's yes. not like most. There's editors, one guy. There's one guy I know, and his his name's Nolar, the man, but he works for Blast Ah. doing all of their stuff, so all the cool videos to see there. So I wanted to hire him because what I wanted to do was during FNCS time when I'm away, like I don't have as much time, I need to prep for videos. So I was like, get this man on board, uh, help edit them while I'm away so I can keep up more consistent videos for like the month I'm away or however long it is. But he also, at that time, he's busier because he's doing Blast stuff. So the, the schedules didn't align, but like... He's probably the only person I've found so far that I could trust with edit. Like, because for me, I want to just like, here's my idea, give him it. Because if not, it'll take me longer just to write up my like what I want them to do. I might as well just edit it. <laughs> you yeah. know, might as well just do that myself then. And that so I, I need someone who understands the game analytically, can edit, and also understands like pacing, storyline, all the all like how to actually keep people interested in a video, which. Those people are a just expensive if they do understand <laughs> that, or b just don't exist in Fortnite. Yeah, fair enough. Or they're doing like the casual style and don't necessarily understand yeah. the analytical content, which is not very easy. It's a a niche no. part of Fortnite. It is, and like the you know the community's it's the community's not that small, but like the the community's small for people who understand stuff. So <laughs> you know, trying to find someone who also can edit and also won't break a the bank is is almost impossible well and you just put out a a video if you guys are listening Mm. to this we're recording on the 18th of august uh a casual versus competitive Fortnite debate is stupid um what led you to make that video because i know you're always like tinkering trying to figure out what's going on and it seems like another good one from you so this isn't even a Fortnite thing, which is which is interesting because I actually the, the idea for this video came from a Jake Lucky tweet where he was it was an Apex Legends. So there's a big debate in Apex Legends right now about you know how the game's balanced and how it isn't. It just reminded me I was like, man, that that, that debate's real stupid. Like I've heard this so <laughs> many times in Fortnite. And then as as I said that sentence, I was like, hey, that's a good that's a, that's a good title. So that that one kind of more came out of the air. Uh, a lot of the other ones, though, are just like if I ever see a tweet on something, I write it down. Like I have a I have a document of just like tons of video ideas. Most of them horrible, just atrocious ideas that people wouldn't care about. But I'm trying to I've made a bunch of those videos into videos that people do actually care about. Um, but it's just trying to write any small thing that people you see are interested in. You're like, mm, I could talk about that. Nice, nice. Yeah, I um I had Fatch on earlier this week and I yeah. was talking to him about the whole like balancing for fun versus balancing yeah. for competitive. And it's interesting because like in Fortnite we've been doing this for four years now. Like that conversation just cycles. Someone will bring up All the one time. item or competitive and people complain about one side, they get the other side, start complaining mm-hmm. about that side, it, it goes nowhere. Um ever. It never does. And like Epic Towards the end of chapter two, we're doing a really good job of it. Like the if you played chapter two, season eight or seven, uh, and then like in a competitive match, and then you played pubs, 
It was like a, it was different. It was completely different. You know, there's aliens in Chapter Season Seven, like all those other guns that were taken out, and like the the comp loophole was really balanced, and that that was looking good. And then obviously, you know, with Chapter Three, obviously a lot of the comp community was not so happy about SMGs and the way that changed. But I don't necessarily think that's as outside of the combat SMG that was in obviously for Chapter Three, Season Two. I don't think like the rest is much of a problem because it more seems to be just be like, hey. These are the guns that are there. We, we're not going to change all the ones from like another chapter just for the competitive side, um, which kind of sucks because obviously a lot of the community love that stuff. But at the same time, it might happen in the future. It might not. At the end of the day, we work with what we got from from the comp. I do think it would be cool if the comp could just have like, hey, here's all the guns that are good and fit and are balanced for competitive. Here's all the utility, here's all the heals. And then even if that just like changes season to season, but it's like within a select pool and it is different from the casual mode, I think that would work good. Yeah, bring back the charge shotgun is what you just Bro, said. Bro, I'm, I'm, I'm a charge fan. Let's Me and go. you are going to line up. Don't worry. That's uh, <laughs> As long as it's not the only like high damage in shotgun, I still think the best meta we've ever had shotgun wise was pump charge. It was because then both of them were super viable and could chunk big damage, played differently around each other. You never felt like, oh, I've got a rubbish shotgun. Yeah, I like the attack charge. That was probably my favorite. Controller player mindset right here. that's right. Well, hey, even Mr. (laughs) Savage was dominating with the attack. Like, he was one of the few players deciding to use that, but I like the balance. It's strong, but it's like... the purple and the gold, you just stand at someone's wall and just, you don't just shoot, reload, shoot, reload. It's just, it was, it was not smart weapon. So underneath the, the purple and the gold, I'm with you, I'm with you. But as soon as it hit like the purple and gold, like it was just way too strong. Yeah. We essentially have the tack now. It's just called the auto. Everyone yeah, still exactly. calls it attack. And it's crazy. It's crazy. You see some people use it. So many people still haven't figured out how nuts it is. Yeah. Just two tack people ahead. Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now that we're talking more about Fortnite, I feel mm. like FNCS is the next logical step here. We just finished. Yeah, yeah. You were out on the broadcast in studio in Copenhagen yes, covering it. And you put out one of your notes, but blurred out, you know, yeah, with yeah. all the, the stuff you've done. You can't share the, the secret sauce, but can't share the can't share the secrets, man. That's uh that's the good stuff, you know. How do you prepare? Like just tell people how you prepare because I've heard this and it is crazy how much effort you put into this. Uh okay, so so let let's rewind the clocks for a second here. Think about what I told you about making the YouTube videos at the start, right? Where I, I wake up in the morning I had nothing to do. I just made YouTube videos all day and it consumed my life. And then and then now have a look at my YouTube and be like, he's only uploading once every week or maybe every two weeks or something like that while FNCS is on. is because it's the same thing, yet just for FNCS now. Like my prep, the, the biggest issue with Fortnite is that there's no easy way to understand storylines and teams. You just have to literally go into every player's Twitter their gameplay and the VODs themselves. You have to do so much manual work because there's like, you know, it's not like sports or like other esports where there's like stats websites and, and all of this stuff and details you can look through. It's literally just you have to do every single thing yourself. So for me, uh, it depends on what it is. Uh, at the start of a season, I always have like notes on teams coming in on cash cups and I just like, I just add to it as the season goes on. And then when FNCA starts, it kind of depends on the schedule because if there's a day to prep, then I have the day to prep. Awesome. If there's an hour to prep, I'm just like 
throughout that week before that, I'm just picking teams, watching their VODs, just like hoping they qualify, trying to figure out like what their team's strengths are, their weaknesses are, any relevant storylines, ex teammates, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then come for like finals. If there's, you know, say a, this time we had what, three weeks between, which was amazing. I, I fully nerded out in the three weeks because <laughs> it allowed me to actually VOD review like it, almost every single team in there like watch at least like one or two games from each people. So like in that week, I probably did like a hundred, hundred and maybe just let's just say a hundred like VODs of all okay. the teams from somewhere. Uh, and the amount of like just cool little tidbits you get from that is super useful. Uh, and then, you know, you start finding trends. If you've done it season after season, week after week, you know, you start building on, on stuff uh, and it all adds up. So like I have some, uh, a pretty advanced level of uh, Excel notes that go back for, mainly just this chapter i need to find all the ones that i did the last chapter but like i really started pulling them together into one thing in like the start of this so and it was like so one of the weeks that i was away between when in that three week break i was at home visiting family and like i had my laptop so i was like i wake up in the morning sitting studying my mom's like yo i know you're home you you're just gonna do some work and i was like look <laughs> I know I'm, I'm at home for a week, but like I was working until, you know, say like six, seven, eight at night. And then I'd like hang out and chill. Not all the time, not all the days, of course, but it's like, although I was having a break, I still needed to just sit and do all the study, do the work. And it's a lot, but by the time it comes to like, say, being on stage in finals and you just have like 900 talking points, it's like, this is pretty awesome. You know, I could, I could stand up there and fill for the entire three hours if I needed to just <laughs> chatting about the teams from what I know. And that becomes extremely valuable. So um, I've never, I've just never regretted, but I, I put a lot of work into it and it uh, hopefully pays off, you know? Well, I think you could tell. I mean, just listening mm. to you talk about the game, there's no waiver in your confidence. And then mm. you talk about things. Typically, they wind up happening, which makes you look really good. But it's because That's the goal. you're yeah. putting in that effort. And I feel like up until you, like, to be honest, Vivid, I, I know, puts in a lot of effort as well, hitting the VODs. And I may piss some people off. But, like, you two stand out as, like, the mm. most knowledgeable people. Um, yeah. And clearly put in the effort. I mean, there are other people they put in effort uh, but as far as hitting vods, maybe Levin can be thrown in. Yeah, there Levin, too. Levin does. He's he's another one who, uh, like goes deep with it. He he does it in a different way because he has his obviously he he focuses on player storylines of that. But the amount of time he's been in the vods the last two seasons has been sick. And he was he was play by play casting this time, and he was didn't get to show as much of that this season, uh, because that wasn't his role. But last season when he was color casting with Shio, like you could hear it come out all the time, and it was fantastic. Like. And that really pays off. And like I said, it's the, the difficulty is that it's all just manual work. You have to just sit and watch every game. Replay is slow. It's clunky. It's, it's you know, it takes a lot of time to do it. So it's like, not everyone's worth it to do that. And the, the thing is, like, I've had seasons where I just, like, showed up. And, I, and you can do it. You can talk. But it's like, you know what's coming out of your mouth most of the time isn't as useful, you know? So, and I, that's that's not what my goal is. Yeah, you can get away with it. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think just listening to, to you guys in particular, you do a great job of explaining the game. Um, mm -hmm. And as someone that appreciates the game, I appreciate <laughs> that and the effort you guys put in. Obviously, you know, it is a ton of manual labor, but mm -hmm. you, you don't get paid 
to put in all that manual labor. You just get to get paid to show up on game day, essentially, is what it is. Yeah, you don't yeah. get paid for the practice. So I, I argue, I argue that my prep isn't counted in my rate. So that's, <laughs> but still, you right. know, it's it is the way it is. It's you know, um, you you are correct though. It's you you only get paid per day, and some people just show up. And I've never been a fan of that personally. Call me an elitist all you want, but I want <laughs> I want the the best of, for the broadcast. I want people to know their stuff. I want it to come out like. I want to hear something and be like, wow, I haven't thought of that, you know? And that's actually one of the things that I've said a lot when I was working with Levin and when I was working with Minnie as well. Uh, in particular, when I worked with Levin, like, I would finish a sentence. I'd be like, what's he going to say? I was like, I don't know what this guy's <laughs> going to say next. You know, I was like, he always has, like, a really interesting spin on everything because he, he has the knowledge and then just also has, like, a cool thought process about everything. So, yeah. you know, it, it's it's stuff like that that I really like from just an esports perspective and just from my own enjoyment and understanding the game similar to you. Yeah, same. Um, talk, getting to talk to Levin in particular uh, when mm. we were in Saudi Arabia was really cool because he yeah. has all those player insights. He's just constantly yeah. talking to them. And so he's not guessing what they're doing. Like you and I mm -hmm. sometimes were VOD reviewing, <laughs> trying to guess what's going uh -huh. on. But like he's like, oh, no, no, no. They do this and this. And this was their game plan. They went back, looked at it. They didn't want to do this. And I'm mm -hmm. like, holy shit. Like that is really cool to have and Super invaluable. Valuable. I, I think now, like, I th I would say until we went into person, a lot of the players, it's not that they didn't respect us as much. That's not the right way I'll put it. I just don't think they cared as much, right? And, you know, they were never doing content on the broadcast, never did anything. And as soon as the V-Bucks show up for paying for it, like, obviously, everyone's up, everyone's doing different stuff like that now. And I think now, like, a lot of the comp communities is much more like, even though, like, the viewers have declined, the actual competitive like player base is much more fond of the broadcast and the stuff that like uh, FN Comp is doing, which is cool. And I think that also helps us interact with the players more and get more inter like, you know, storylines and bits and bobs like that, little tidbits from them. And Levin's obviously one of the biggest, of well, biggest people because he's six foot eight, <laughs> but also the biggest proponents of that, of just chatting to people. Yeah, the community being receptive is huge. I mean, you just think about any other esport or any other game. Mm. It's a lot easier to get those insights. It's five on five. I mean, soccer, yep. American football, 11 on 11. So, like, that is a quarter of a population mm. for just a singular Fortnite lobby. So having access to those people and being able to speak to them, get those insights, mm having those communications pre and post game, which is fairly regular in sports is not something we get within Fortnite. No, but I think has started to improve. And now, like you just mentioned, the receptiveness from mm -hmm. the players and that communication back and forth is starting to overall become better, which is really cool. You seem like in the middle of that, you wanted to say something. Yeah. I forgot what it was, uh, but I'm just very excited about the fact that everyone likes it because like in, I remembered what it was. It's come back to me at that point. You know, you're saying you have to prep for 100 people, 50 teams of his duos. And, you know, the biggest problem with that is, you know, in sports, like how long do you have to when you understand like a football match is going on? You know, like in beforehand, how long would you have to prep? Look at the storylines, look at the teams, all that stuff. In Fortnite, it's like we were lucky this time with finals. We got three weeks, but semifinals like or some qualifiers. It's an hour. And it's an hour before the game start, but we still have to go live after like 35 minutes after the queues are over. So it's like, what what prep time do you have for that? You just need to know the stories. You need to know a hundred people and just hope for the best. Yeah, it's um, 
definitely unreasonable. <laughs> but it's not it's not it's not unreasonable in a way that like oh we're being forced to do this but it's like it's just in comparison to anything else as far as i'm aware it's just like an unbelievable amount of work just to understand it in the moment well it's it's an impossible task to truly take yeah. in everything that just for example happened in around three finishes mm -hmm. at 25 on the hour and then at <laughs> 35 minutes later, the next game mm -hmm. is going to start queuing, and it's like, okay, we had 300, 250 players, we're trying, or teams, 500 mm -hmm. players, we're trying to narrow that down now to 50, and always, there's always teams that make it, and you have no idea who they are, and it's and they always win a game. Yeah. They it's... always win a game, and I'm like, ah, I don't have anything on these guys, <laughs> man. And then I just have to talk about how they won the match, which is obviously relevant, but like, if you just watched it, like, I don't... I don't want to be that guy who's also been like, ah, I'm just saying what happened again, you know? Yeah, reading what's on a screen. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to do that, but that's not the goal. Definitely, definitely. Um, how'd you feel about this FNCS? Like, as far as the actual play, and we had Giannis Vadil taken mm -hmm. home, the, and pretty much the entire top 10 was almost as projected. Like, if you picked the top 10 in Europe, it was probably... Yeah. most of those teams um so like how is your we'll start with europe for you like yeah. how is your experience europe's been it was an interesting one because like the the biggest turn for me were was just like how contested messes people up because when i started the season i was like chapix and tason are gonna win this fncs that that was just it i just said they're gonna win when you look how good they were at the start of the season i was just like these guys are just unbelievable and then they're contested off spawn by x Wees and Podosai. And I'm like, ah, well, that's over. So <laughs> I was like, you know, the, the, the main, I don't want to say the main storyline in my eyes, but like the, the main projection was kind of ruined by just an unfortunate circumstance. Another team qualified at that drop spot. They know it. They're not going to leave, you know? So immediately I was like, ah, damn. You know, I wanted to see the Tayson Chapix win, but unfortunately that storyline wasn't going to be there. So, you know, when you start to look at the rest of the teams, I feel like it was really top heavy. You know, you said the top 10 predictions came through and it was easy to predict. I did the top 10 predictions. I got seven of them right. Like not, not right in the orders, but like I got yeah. seven out of the top 10 correct. And I don't think, I don't know if I've ever got that many right, but I think it was just like easier to predict. I, I don't know really if it's because more like top players aren't playing anymore or if, just duos and i feel like there's not as many top teams but this this fncs definitely did feel a little top heavy in comparison to the rest which is odd for eu it definitely is because there's that massive player base and you have mm -hmm. so many teams typically that are able to compete at that highest level which you know say what you want about other regions it's not there mm -hmm. um there's typically definitely that top heaviness in every other region. I mean, NA East is the best, but I still only think, you know, there was going to be five teams that could win FNCS this season. So in Europe, it's, you know, 10 at least typically, mm -hmm. uh, if not more. And, you know, we see players start to get that recognition of how to play the game and yeah. how to separate themselves from everyone else, because now we're at a point where everyone is so good. Like, all the players yes. have become incredible at this game, and it is more the mental aspect and the strategy and planning, which is separated teams, rather than the physical mechanics of the game. And I think mm. Giannis and Vadil 
have exemplified that in this FNCS. I mean, you saw Vino on Twitter leaking their strats, but genuinely that just was be- that was that was Vino's trap from the season before. <laughs> That's why they're using like mobility around the edge of the map. That was all of that was their strat from the year before or the season before, which is so it's the same stuff really. Yeah, just taking a play out of the previous winner's playbook and yeah, yeah, adapting yeah. it. But it is like I think we're seeing a point now where so I have this kind of theory with every new chapter. It's only been two, so it's it's, a, it's you know it's a pretty small sample size. But you nearly always see like a big turnover of players. You know, it's a new map. It's it's new motivations for a lot of players, and it's an opportunity for a lot of people to either come up or fall off. And I think now we've seen who is actually going to stick around this season based on like a new chapter. We've seen a bunch of names, you know, like on EU, like you know, Vico's been grinding crazy hard, Malibu Mustache, you know, all these people who have been putting in a ton of work are showing up repeatedly, like season after season. And then you have like the players who've been around for a lot longer like that, you know, the Vadil, the Genesis, the Taste and Chapix, all of these big names who have been around for so long are basically the only people who are still putting in work day after day after day and they're staying on top. It's like when I when I look at the top of the leaderboard, Maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are some teams in there who just don't put in work at all uh, and just still looking by. But every single season, you see those teams fall off. The teams who stop putting in work, who aren't looking good, who don't have a good understanding of the game, they just do not place in finals. And the coolest thing about this FNCS was all that mm. time. You mentioned it from yes. a broadcast perspective, but from the player's perspective, now you have all that time to be like, okay, I can perfect my game. I can learn from other players. I can learn mm-hmm. how to counter what other players are doing. And it gave that extra level, which I don't know that I want a three-week gap before finals every single time, but, you know. <laughs> well, a two you week- have a, a three-month gap between the FCS Invitational, so there's a lot of time for that. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, I mean, I, I think that was really impressive to see especially Mm -hmm. like what you just mentioned the effort players put in uh whether it be vodding whether it be playing practicing and just showing the efforts then put up on a leaderboard in the games at the end of the day to me you know i respect that it's not just some someone walking up doing a job and going home i mean that's also how i want the game to look in a sense like you know, I want. I don't want to say it's more standardized, where I want like, oh, I want all these teams to always make it and stuff like that. But I want it so that players have time to prep. I want it so that you get these teams at their best. You know, it's a set lobby. I want it to feel like a set lobby. You know, sometimes when it's a one-hour qualification, like we said, it doesn't feel like a set lobby. It feels like madness. You know, I want teams to have sat and thought about what they're going to do, how they're going to counter their strats, because that's when you actually start to see really interesting things happen. And. I- this chapter, I feel like more so than any, players have been working with coaches. And up agree, until yeah. recently, you know, coaches haven't really been respected. There's been a few that have been doing it for a while and have been doing a good job. But now more than ever, I feel like all of the top teams have a coach, have somebody they work with to help them out. And then speaking to players about it, having that third-party perspective has been huge in the way that they're able to understand the game, the way they're able to understand their own gameplay. Because, I mean, I talked to Fatch and Nani recently, and their ability to have that third party, it's not you and I now arguing about what we think was the right thing. It's, I saw what happened. Here is what needs to happen. I don't care what either of you think. This was the right play. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a few guys out there that are, 
really good at what they do to be able to have that respect from players to tell them, no, you are wrong. Like learn from this and, and get better. Um, Sven is one of the big ones that, you know, stands out to me. Uh, Blood X seems to, to not like to call himself a coach, but also you just call him the best coach. Just, just (laughs) don't call him a mentor, call him the coach. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, no, it's true. And I think like, uh, I, I'm surprised it took this long, quite frankly. It's maybe maybe because there's not that many coaches who have like big enough accolades to be able to do it. Maybe it's because the player base is young. They don't like listening to someone, uh, you know. But at the end of the day, you can only do so much prep. If you're playing a ton, like, you know, you know how much these players play every day. You don't also have the time to sit back in the VODs to the same extent, you know. Like, you can't do like four hours watching other people's gameplay a day now that's obviously that would be a lot but a coach can do that you know they can sit there and figure out the teams around you uh what you're doing wrong they can have so many different avenues that you can't simply do and they can take that stress off of you and just allow you to play the game to try and do the thing you're good at and speaking to different people and just seeing what happens this season people have learned to be more particular and Mm. what's the word i'm looking for they're they're doing things other than just simply playing the game. They're being yes. um, I can't think diligent. Of freaking... No, that's not. No, Oh, that's a good word though. Specific. That's what it is. They're being specific in the different actions they're doing within the game, rather than just going and playing scrims for ten hours. Now you know yeah, you may yeah. only get scrims for two to four hours a day, and you have to be very specific in your practice, which I think has helped. Um, it's I'll, intent. It's yeah, it's like practicing it. anything. I, 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 as soon as you started talking, I was like, ah, he's not talking about specific. This man's <laughs> on his intent grind. No, it, it's intention, right? Like, if you want to get good at something, a particular skill, a particular knowledge, you have to practice whatever it is. Like, you're not going to get good at juggling by throwing. It's just not going to work. So you have to, if you want to get good at scrims, if you want to get good at endgame, if you want to learn how to fight, if you want to learn your mechanics, you whatever it is, you need to actually practice that specific thing. Agreed, agreed. And coaches help with that. They, they definitely... Coaches help a lot. They can, oh. they can tell you you suck at something. They're like, yo, do this. Okay, fair yeah. enough. As long as you don't got too big an ego and you understand to listen to them, you'll fly high as a player. Is there anyone that surprised you? Um, I don't, did you watch NA East as well? I went to bed. <laughs> okay. I, um, my, my sleeping schedule after being ill was so bad that I went to bed straight away. I've, I've gone back and I'm watching... Today, I've been watching Commandment uh, and Avery's games just to to work on a video and to, for invitational prep as well. Um, and I, but I've not looked at like the rest of the leaderboard from any. So let me open it up. Let me see. Now that I've got it, I'll, I'll open it up on this screen. Let's have a look. Commandment and Avery were interesting because they were like constantly behind on Surge and then somehow yeah. managed to make it work like every yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, I one of the notes I wrote down is like these guys don't have a good mid game. That was the biggest part of it, where I said they they were the way that they positioned themselves in mid game was just like there was no one like they were on hills, but they weren't on hills that players were rotating past. You know, it seemed like they didn't have like a plan on the teams rotating around them, um, which was interesting. But it did work. They just kept fighting someone like at fourth or fifth zone, and they just kept above the other <laughs> thresholds before that repeatedly. I've only watched uh, three games of them so far, so it's like. I can't speak for every single match, but that was kind of the trend I saw from them. Uh, when I look at the rest of the leaderboard, 
I mean, in the top 10, that's like... Not really. That seems like basically the most, I want to say, standard NAE's teams I could think of. Like, Mirabuga second. I, I know they were contested off spawn and had a bunch of north zones as well. So that's very impressive from them to still be second and almost win. Uh, Pamsu and Fatch have been really good, especially working with um, Sven. Sven, who we just said. Duke and Clicks, they've been, I can't say if they've been good if not followed them, but big names. Adrius Kanada, <laughs> Choked, should have won. Peter Bot Baila, last season champion. You know, it's like Acorn Edgy did really good uh, in Saudi. It's like there's a, lot, there's a lot of just like top names in the top already. Is there anyone who surprised you when you were there or um, when you watched it? Honestly, Pamstu and Fatch. They, they've always yeah. kind of been a top 10 team but the, never really, really been like a top five, top three team. And to see them, I mean, they were two Elims away from winning FNCS. Yeah. They were Bugid Miro falling a couple places before in commandment, not pulling a clutch out of his ass. And they, I, uh, like I mentioned, I had just talked mm -hmm. to Fatch and he thought they won. They won the last uh, match. Yeah, I, I watched that. I did go back and watch the final game because I heard everyone say how crazy it was. And I watched them win that final game. That must be devastating. <laughs> yeah, he said they felt like they won the whole tournament because they won oh. that game. And then they checked the leaderboard. And not only are they not second, they're third. <laughs> which, oh, that's got to be a kick in the nuts. That's brutal. And you know what's funny is like, I, I, there's a trend I'm seeing with like Miro and Booga that they always choke the final game. Like, I remember back to chapter two season eight was it grand royale either grand royale or i think it was grand royale it was where they when it was trios with jukes and they struggled with surge in that final game lost so miro rebooted him and then had like the most crazy like it was like fourth or fifth zone fight and like the one elim they got put them above the points to win it all or something like that and i was like i keep seeing a trend of these guys going down early and in the last game which is something i'm going to keep an eye out in the future okay that uh could be a big call out come invitational hey you know? man if, if, if you're hearing it here first <laughs> if they choke the last game I've, I've predicted it ahead of time yeah normally i don't they, want them to but yeah normally they have a big enough lead going into that last game but commandment mm. avery were right on their heels uh you mentioned duke and clicks that was another mm. team that i was really impressed with over the course yeah. of the season they weren't good to start the season uh like just straight up not good but getting better each qualifier was something mm -hmm. that you saw and they became a team with a game plan not just playing the game towards the end of the season you saw it like there was a clear strategy and intention for them to play a low ground style which you Interesting. Know, clicks had never really had in my opinion any kind of strategy to his game he no not a chance crazy especially like uh so he i mean he was working with blood x last season i don't know if he has been this season i'm not i'm not yeah he has taken in he has been okay so yes. he's been working on this season well so so that development makes sense i watched him when he was playing with uh day last season and that hurt my brain a lot <laughs> more to be honest from day's perspective than from clicks perspective, because i could tell that clicks was learning a lot as a player last season but day is a, a madman and just runs off very solo by himself and made a lot of very questionable plays um and to see clicks now from what you're saying actually understand the game really well with another duo is sick because i think that is some development that we see very rarely you know most top players who make a lot of money in particular they're like ah why would i keep practicing at this you know they just they live off of the the good stuff that they did 
don't put in as much work and then end up leaving eventually. Whereas Click seems to have turned that around in a way that he has had a ton of success on his mechanical capabilities. You know, maybe wasn't so good for a, a couple of seasons and, and whatnot. But now if he is a top five player in the region every single season, that would be insane work improvement. Yeah, it's one of the most recent and probably the only example I can think of of like a fragger becoming an IGL and doing a really freaking good job of it. There's say pink as well. And guess what? Okay. That's another Blood X one. Yeah. So I, I, I'm an EU man. Uh, <laughs> hey, those two were supposed to play together. I mean, that could have been a whole they were, I know. different I'm glad story. they didn't know because for both both teams, it's worked out. Because oh. Clicks was fourth and was an ass and pink fifth. Boom, or were they right. fourth? I, I, I can't remember exactly which where it was, but it's like they were both top five on their respective regions. And I don't know if they, I don't, I don't know if I would have said that going on any east i don't know how that would have worked if they'd played together on any east you know like uh who would have fragged how would that have played out properly i would pink probably still would have led and then clicks is trying to frag instead and i've not i don't know if i've seen like clicks be a good fragger at this level yet you know yeah and well you don't know how the chemistry works i mean True. in theory it could work but there's a lot of players that play together for a couple of weeks and then go their mm -hmm. separate ways. And Pink could have just been stuck in the U.S. and not had a teammate. <laughs> you know who the biggest example of that one was? That if like a theoretical team that should have been amazing was at the start of this chapter in Chapter 3, Season 1, Seti playing with Noah Rayleigh. That is like, in my mind, I'm like, this is, this is magical, right? Because you have Seti, who's obviously known for like low ground being the best tarper or the best tarper in the game can lead and then if you just have noah Rayleigh with him they have good chemistry like that guy frags and it's funny because i've always looked at noah as a guy who if he learned how to frag properly is on like low and mid ground unstoppable absolutely unstoppable if he was like a mustache level fragger but he always ends up playing height right so it didn't work out that well chemistry was rubbish and i was so sad about that because i was like this team has so much potential but again chemistry's not there so it's just not going to work out yeah, and adapting and learning each other's play style is huge. That's something mm. over this chapter in particular that I, I think has been more important because in trios you can kind of get away with not necessarily playing Definitely. together. Um, and then in duos, it, it must be done. Like the best duos are going to be playing together, going to be figuring out how they play best together instead of just like wandering through an endgame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you watch any winner from any region so far, that's like the number one thing you'll see is that they know when to not be together and they know when to be together. You know, like Vigil Janus, endgame, always side by side, hip by hip. Uh, same with, like, that's the one thing I saw about Command Knavery. The only time they split is when they're looking for Surge. Like, any time outside of that, they're like within that one tile space every single time. Anytime someone's on a wall, the other one's with them. Well, to me, they've both played with two of the best IGLs in North America. Avery played oh. with Booga, Commandment played with Scented, and now they're coming together. I mean, Commandment, besides last season, has been a top five, top ten player in North America, basically, his oh, yeah. entire career. Um, and to see him, like, I think he's the best tarper in North America. He's not tarping, though. What the hell? Yeah, well, okay. So, in trios... <laughs> He used to take over in Endgame. So Scented yeah, would yeah. lead up until like fifth zone and then Commandment would take over. And that's how that trio was so good because yeah. you have Scented kind of playing that middleman and then Commandment leading the way with the tarps. But it's interesting now that he is kind of this all around just mass of mm -hmm. a 
knowledge and skill, which I don't know how or where I was going with that one, but Commandment's really no, fucking good. It's he's crazy. He's been one of my favorite any East players for a long time, and I was sad when he wasn't doing well this chapter, in all honesty. So to see him come back and win is A, awesome, but B, it's so interesting now that I dive into the gameplay, because I watched a lot of their trio gameplay, because they were just like, they were so good at claiming low ground, and they had like a full lockdown of it. And now to watch them play like a completely different playstyle with Commandment not tarping, there's some games around height and stuff like this. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? This is <laughs> this is a, this is a total flip, but it's you know, I'm guessing maybe that's the stretch influence on him, you know, understanding di a different play style of the game um, in terms of like playing high ground, playing different layers, uh, fragging out, all these different kind of things. So it's cool that he seems to be very moldable as a player. Yeah, can do whatever, wh whatever is necessary. Literally. Not many, there's not many of them, I tell you. Nah, I, I don't know that I can name someone that can be <laughs> as malleable. Uh, maybe Malabuka. Probably not though, because he's not that great of a fragger. He'll say he'll tell you that himself. Yeah, that's another two I love to watch this season. Yeah. Oh my god. And now they're both invited to the invitational. Yes. Let's go. I'm so happy about that. Yeah, I am ecstatic. That was going to be like the biggest whatever you want to call it, problem with the upset. invitational. That's an upset. Yeah, yeah, upset. I mean, to not have arguably the best player of the chapter at the biggest event. Um, would have been a huge downfall, especially to have Mustache there and have to play with mm. somebody else. I mean, he played with Bad Sniper during the Saudi event. They did all right. But him and Malibuka, Mustache, Malibuka, just the most exciting team to watch during endgames because the way they dominate a midground and just like every single team in their way is just another Elim and they're going to find a way to either bully you to get away from them or you're going back to the lobby. Bro, they're the only team that I know does better on a congested layer than like a <laughs> than a free layer. It's actually crazy when you watch them. They're yeah, they're a bit janky sometimes. You know what? Like they they can overcommit, but they are just like they run a train through the rest of the lobby. It's nuts. Well, the way Malibuka sets up pre-edits like that, like it's not even a thought. It's just yo pre-edit no. this guy. Boom, they're already shooting pre-edits down. And they shoot the same guy. Like, I don't know Every what time. the hell Every it is. Time. But there's two guys in a box. The pre-edit comes through. And they're always shooting the... I think it's the right guy. Uh, just from watching oh, okay, okay. their VODs. Nah, I may mm, be wrong. But... That guy goes down. It's immediately a 2v1. And then they clean it up every time. And it is, like, such pure endgame play that I haven't seen. And I absolutely love. Because there's no one else doing yeah. it. Like, literally no, no one. one else. They do it in fourth zone every single game. Like their their games have like a, a very rhythm. I, I, to be honest, outside of this FNC's finals, every other time if it's a cash cup, it's a qualifier, whatever it is. Every game's the same. They fight off spawn, which this time they weren't contesting finals. Obviously, they fight in fourth or fifth zone, get their mats refreshed, and then they fight everyone in end game. It's like it's the same game every single time <laughs> that they do it. And the fourth and fifth zone fights that they take are effortless. It's crazy to watch. It's like you just watch them wipe a team in like two seconds. And then that's it over with because they just do it so fast. Other team's not ready for it yet. Yeah, it's over before the other team can even react, whether it be pre-edits or a team's rotating and they just beam one. And then it's like, all right, mm -hmm. cool. Let's jump on this guy. That's a free limb. Oh, it's it's a beautiful game to watch. And I'm really happy to see them go towards the Invitational. And I want to see them win that. I want to see them win that. I was I was rooting for them this time. I, I didn't think they would win because I, I put my money on Queasy and Vino. 
Okay. I wanted them to just because like for, for them, I remember back in chapter two, season eight, they came seventh with Shizo. And that was when they were contesting Benji, Savage, and Andretta off spawn. Ah, uh, yes. I, I remember, you know, that went on for two seasons and it went into being three tournaments. It was Grand Royale as well. And I remember watching then and being like, man, these guys are winning about equal off spawn. You know, it was, it was, it was pretty even in terms of like games won. But these games that they're winning, 15 Elims, you know, it's like they, when they win off spawn, I was like, they are doing real good. And I remember at that time just being like, hmm, there's a lot of potential in, in this team. So now to see them like come full circle, second place as a duo, really good. Like, you know, the star boy of the season for Malabuka and Mustache, just like one of the most crazy fraggers as well. It's like, I want to see them win a tournament. You know, the progression has been crazy. And Mustache is like that quiet guy that just like kills everybody. He just smiles. <laughs> he just smiles. All. I, I met them at DreamHack. Uh, and like, obviously they hadn't really face revealed much then. And, and it's like, they're just like the classic, um, they're English like you could speak to them but like they weren't confident in speaking english that much so they just smiled and i was like <laughs> oh these guys man they're amazing they're so cool they were so nice so uh yeah I, I hope they do good i really do yeah good kids definitely rooting for them as well and definitely now that we, we brought up the invitational i feel like it's a good mm. time to chat about this it's probably be the last yeah. thing we, we cover then I... i'll let you go but uh what are you thinking about the invitational like just give me your general thoughts on this okay raw i i am very excited right from from multiple perspectives obviously firstly first official in-person land like since world cup 2019 we're talking three and a half years of pain uh between is that three and a half am i is my math right yeah geez that doesn't even much. feel like that that right i said that out loud and i had to look at the the, the, the calendar to make sure it was right Three and a half years without an official LAN has been painful. Uh, and for me, the the excitement is through the roof because I have watched EU versus EU versus EU for two and a half years analytically, you know? I've seen this. I know what happens. It's it's like, I, I understand. I'm at the point now when I'm making like analytical videos and stuff, the amount of the gameplay I have to scrub through to be like, this is something new to talk about is, is crazy, right? So to now have all of these players from other regions and to actually see head-to-heads against... Not, I didn't care about being like, oh, which region's the best? I do care about that because I'm in the <laughs> best one. But like, that's not even like the main selling point. It's like, oh, cool. We just have new players, new play styles coming in. Uh, a crowd. The players are there in person. It's like just raw excitement is absolutely through the roof. I'm with you. I am so excited. I mean, like you said, three and a half years. We've been watching this game happen online, and we never get to see the best from each region go up against one another. And it just feels like we're being held back. Like Fortnite is being held back from getting the best players to compete against the best players. And now we finally have that opportunity, which, oh, my freaking God, this is going to be awesome. I hope this is the start of like next year to start filling it with lands because I think not only are we as analysts and content creators bored of online stuff only, it's clear like the viewers are bored of this too. Like it's like it's the same thing. I like when I watch Nefesis Finals, I'm excited. I love watching it. It's great. But there's always that overwhelming feeling of like, I've seen this before, you know, and it gets more exciting when towards the end of the games where I'm at the edge of my seat watching who's going to win. But, you know, 
as the games progress, I'm like, I know this. I've seen this. I, I know exactly what's happening here. And I and we need a change up. That's not a change up in game mode. That's none of these stupid fucking things that people always talk about that all make the game <laughs> exciting. No, you just need like a I think we need like an overhaul of the, the online system the way it is, uh, to be way more exciting. Yeah. We can get into that too in a second because I know you have thoughts on that, but the invitational (laughs) invitational (laughs) in itself, I really hope that there is proper lead up in the storytelling for the invitational, because that's a huge miss if that is not executed and executed properly. I mean, I always liken UFC to the way Fortnite does things or UFC Mm -hmm. could be an example for the way Fortnite does things because they are so good at telling stories of their fighters before every match. You're getting like a three minute idea of who this person is and why the hell Mm. you should even care what they're doing. And we have now three months to do that for this entire lobby. And if we don't do that, then we have not done our job properly. And you and I as creators, like we can Mm -hmm. do it ourselves, but inherently it won't get the same value that it should from us as opposed to if it's done from the Fortnite side, like the actual channels. So that's one thing that I think can make or break this. Obviously the games will be awesome, but Mm -hmm. from a Fortnite fan perspective and someone that wants to see the game succeed, we need that kind of content and lead up to this massive event. I agree. And like you need, to satisfy the casuals in that way, you know, like they care about Mongrel, uh, and you know, Mongrel is not playing the game. They care about Benjifish. He's gone. You know, it's great that they've invited Savage uh, from that perspective, so that you've at least, you know, and there's Boogas there. You know, you've got like a couple big names that, like, the casual audience who haven't watched, say, in in like two years, uh, and you know, they know their personalities, they know their favorites, and things like that. They've got players to latch onto, which is great, but we need to give people a reason to care about like the the Joe and the Ziandis of the world. Where you know, I know Ziandi, for example, has a massive following in Romania. Like anytime you watch any competition that has him involved, like the chat's always just like there's a bunch of Romanian sports. It's really sick to see. But like outside of that country we need more people to care about i'm just using him as an example you know him uh mix and arter like a more unknown team who's qualified from eu now that i didn't know much about before i know arter but not about mixing before going into the season just a side note that guy's crazy uh and you know things like that where it's like you know we have the best and the best from every region going there and there needs to be reasons to, to care about those other people like i'm definitely going to go into a lot of the other regions i know i'm going to start speaking to like coaches from like brazil asia i'll speak to like you know other smaller regions that players i just don't know that much to try and get that so i can put that in videos and content and stuff like that as well um because i think that is really important there's going to be a lot of players that people don't know and it'd be cool if everyone knew what actually mattered and what doesn't well even I mean, think of someone like Taysen. What do you know mm. about him other than he's just won everything in the game? It's true. It's very nothing. true. Like, you know nothing about one of the best players of all time in Fortnite. <laughs> and that, yeah. to me, is crazy. But this is an awesome opportunity to put him on that pedestal of, like, this is one of our goats. Here is why everyone else should recognize this. And here's also who he is as a, a person. Mm-hmm. 
I know that his dad's awesome. <laughs> I met his dad at DreamHack. He was, he was a good lad. He was a good legend. But you're right. It's like we need even those big names. You know, you do need reasons to care about those. And, you know, with Tayson, you can give him a bunch of backstory. But similarly, you know, you have yeah, you open the goat dialogue. You know, we're, we're going to see him against Booga in, in, uh, at a LAN in-person event. It's like now you have like just cool storylines like that, which, you know, is very speculative prior to this. But now you can actually open up in person they're actually going head to head do a yeah. 1v1 between them there you go that's that should be the decider just like realistic 1v1s booga versus tason no epic whale and epic whale chuck him in there too <laughs> i'm a i'm a i'm an epic whale fanboy uh nice i just had to throw that in there because like he's <laughs> recently been thrown in that conversation a lot which definitely uh maybe deserving maybe not i don't know that's i think not... it is i i uh when I, I did a goat list last year was i'm trying to remember when that was i think it was before booga started winning fncs or maybe it was just after he won one of them last year okay uh chapter two season seven ish time and i put tason as my goat um i still think tason's my goat to be honest over booga but we'll but we'll, we'll see uh, i think i had epic whale in fifth or fourth i can't remember i had arkham above him at the time because i felt like arkham's placements were a bit better but obviously now things have changed a bit since arkham's obviously now quit the game and he's just hadn't performed as well i think epic whale is only reason that he's not in the goat debate is because he's on any west like if, if he had done even similar stuff on another region in particular with having world cup placements being around for this long like having the longevity that he has is unbelievable like that guy has to be in the goat discussion yeah i think he's won the most fncs's of anyone six yeah he's won six and he's won well he was fifth in world cup duos i think i think he did well in solos can't remember i think he maybe did poo i can't even remember that i think one obviously just the Saudi event. yeah he did, he did he was top five or oh was yeah it was solos. he did good in one of them i can't remember which <laughs> one it was six fncs wins on top of that like and it seems like now, I don't want to say his motivation is not as high, but it's like, he's just like kind of cruising a bit, you know? That's that's the way I look at him now. And he still won the Saudi event, uh, you know? I think if if he fully grinded everything, like he would just win every F F FNCS. And it's West, but similarly, you, you got to put some respect on that man's name. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know. Like, he's in the conversation. I don't know that yeah. he wins the conversation. I think I, I, I'm with you. I think uh, I think the invitational would be telling. Yeah. To see. Well, and he'll get to play with his own teammate. And he did it with Malabuka for this Saudi event, which is, mm -hmm. you know, impressive in its own right, but also not as impressive as like you're now doing it with your guy against everyone with their Reed. guy. Reed told me that both Rex and Arkham won't be going. So, oh, even though they're on the list, that's he messaged news. me saying that. Yeah, I don't know if that's well. I know Arkham's not because he's not there. But he said, I don't know if Rex isn't going to go. That might have changed since because they're going to be playing together. So it's going to be they'll be Re and Epic, as obviously that is the duo now. So that'll be very interesting to see as well. Uh, because Reet's not. He went to the uh, what do you call it, LAN, the small Dallas one for DreamHack. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't go to. He's not been to any of the other ones. So. We'll get to see him as well at a big land, see how he'll do. We know Mal Epic Will will be great. How will Reed do in the land environment, which is nerve-wise, all of these kind of things. He doesn't seem like a very nervous person, so I think he'll do good, but it's hard to say. Yeah, you never know. Um, oh, I was just about to mention something. 
Oh, Arkham and Rex. Yeah. That is interesting because they got invites. I went through their profiles because I saw them Mm -hmm. on like those invite lists and I didn't see them post anywhere about being invited. And then I found out that it was secondhand. Somebody told people that they did get invited, but now... They probably didn't log on to the game to check. (laughs) (laughs) They probably don't even know. I I think Reed said that... I, I don't know. I don't know the procedure from the players, but I think you have to fill in like a sheet once you were invited, or I don't think on email or whatever it was. Right. Uh, I I don't know the process. And apparently, he said they haven't even filled that out. So I don't know if they've like they've been invited, but they haven't accepted. But that's the idea I got. To be honest, for you, if if I was one of those players, I would go. I would collect my money. Like I, if I came last, I'm getting. I don't know what the prize pool is, but say it was even the same as the Saudi. Like that was what like five k for last. Two and a half K split, you get a free trip to go meet all your Fortnite buddies. Like for me as an analyst, I don't want that because I don't want players who haven't done well and who aren't playing the game to go because it's just kind of rubbish from a viewer's perspective. And especially kind of ruins a bit of their legacy as players in my eyes as well. Just like, just let them go. You know, like if they're, if they've quit, they've quit, just let them quit. Um, But similarly, you know, if if I was them, bro, I'm going, I'm going, that's some free money, free trip. Like, why not? Yeah, I agree with you. From their perspective, I don't see why you would decline the invite. But from exactly. my perspective, please don't go. Like, <laughs> yeah, if if they have not been playing and they are quitting, because I know I, I don't not. know about Rex. I know, I know. Yeah, I know that um, Arkham's fully quit. He tweeted that yesterday. Uh, but I don't know about. I know Rex hasn't been playing, but I don't know if he's fully quit yet. You know, so <sighs> it's hard to say. He hasn't posted on Twitter that he quit. Yeah, but... yeah. That's that's the that's the deal done yeah but even before the saudi event i or at the saudi event i talked to arkham and falconer and like yeah we haven't played the game in weeks like i just started playing in lead up to this event so every other team i feel like is capable of performing well not necessarily doing a top 10 but can compete at this event if you have two players that aren't playing the game i mean we have three months to get there they they could get they back could to where I, they I mean those be. those two players are nuts as well like i think like it's crazy that they are actual like they could be top players in the event had they been a with their teammate at the time and also like continued to practice uh but like that seems to not be the case so uh yeah so we'll see if we see them there we'll see if they make a tweet see if they're just like debating thinking about it see what they're gonna do like i said i i don't necessarily want to see it if they have quit because i just I just want the best of the best to be there. And so we can actually open some interesting conversations. I don't want like some team to like get landed on by West players who aren't playing anymore. Don't care. Or, you know, any, any grief in situations to go down. If that was going to happen, anything like that. Well, and they'll have to land somewhere. So inevitably like it will cause issues. Uh, exactly. Nonetheless. All right. Now, very important, totally relevant and going to hold you to it. <laughs> Who's going to win the FNCS Invitational right now? Ooh, and I'm not okay, letting let, you get away from answering let me, that question. No, no, that's that's a great question. Let me open the list. Uh, who who made? Uh, I think Zenko made. Zenko one. has the most yeah, up to date one. Let me let me have a swatch through here for a second. Do, 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 do. Okay, I'm just looking at the Europe players. I'm just going to pick one of them. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm just going to pre- presume. Obviously, some of the teams don't have like their full names there. Uh, I'm going to just assume anyone I say is going to be unconned because screw talking about that. Uh, I think, right, let me let me put a list out. Tayson and Chapix, assuming it's going to be Tayson Chapix, not Tayson Thomas HD playing together. Definitely. 
Uh, Bugamiro, definitely from NA East. I do I I think uh, a wild card pick, Epic Whale and Reek could do good and and win if they like had a crazy day. But I'm not necessarily convinced. I'm gonna put them like top ten, but I, I wouldn't necessarily gonna win. But I think that would be like a uh, an, an odd pick. Okay. I would like to say Seti and Kami, uh, but like this season's not been good for them at all. Uh, it's been a bit obviously like when you look at the the actual numbers, it looks good, but. I think this has been like the most flawed they've been as a team. I think since I've, I'm in on probably the last year. I think they've had a lot of issues, which is very unsurprising from that kind of team. So maybe they'll. I mean, they work really hard, so I think they might be able to fix it by the time it comes. They also um, have a lot of teams that are going to play clashing play styles. Like a cold scented yeah. is also going to look to dominate that low ground. Acorn Edgy mm -hmm. do that same thing. Obviously, like there is space up until like eighth ninth zone for multiple teams cool. to do it but only one team's going to win. They hadn't really been playing as much low ground this season, but maybe that's because that's why they're more flawed. So I think in duos, like, low ground's just been weird. Like, there's not... I'm In EU, there's not been, like, a low ground team, I would say. Yeah, they, like, stay away from these guys like there has been in trios. Um, there's been a lot of people who play, like, say, and Kami, you know, they predominantly do go down to low, but it's like... It's not like every game, oh, they're on the low ground, you know? They played a lot of mid, so it's weird. I think, I think I'm just going to go with, like, some of the basic answers. Tasting Chapix, Bugamiro, got to be gotta be the two. But there's a lot of teams I think easily could win. You know, Mustache Malabuka, they're there. Uh, you know, Vadil, after this season, looked crazy good with Janice. Um, scrolling down. I, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't think any of the Brazil, Middle East, OCE, or Asia teams are going to win. Um, Who but do you I've think does the best? Uh, if you had to pick a team say, from like an off region, Fazin, I don't know how you pronounce his name. And, I think it's uh, Keto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I PH think Zin for us American or English. I know it, it makes it hard for us. I think he's from what I've seen is absolutely insane. Uh, like crazy, crazy performances uh, and the amount of times they've won, especially recently or towards the end of uh, last chapter. Uh, but again, I don't know that region that well, so it's hard for me to to say that specifically. I do think um, uh, Volks and Looter from OCE, if they're grinding, can be scary because when Looter came to NA East, he was ass, but he also just didn't play, <laughs> didn't grind, didn't attempt. He did like the classic player from another like region moves to big region, doesn't play at all, and is bad. You know, similar to the way that. Um, Vortex and Suns did when they moved to Germany to play in EU. Like they just came here and they just didn't play. That was it. Was like they moved across country, didn't practice. Vortex played a little bit more than Suns did, and then the orgs, they moved back. The orgs have yeah. to love that. Oh yeah, they must, right? <laughs> Fly them internationally, get them here, visas, all that stuff, sort accommodation, yada yada. So, but since they went back, Looter's been crazy. Volks is like one of the best players in the world, hands down. So I think they could actually do really good as well. Uh, and I think that would be a cool story, especially given. They are from such a small region, the smallest region. So it'd be cool to see them do well, especially since like OC's got a history of doing good in, in lands as well. Yeah, I, I would like to see at least like one of the off regions perform <laughs> well. I, I think one of the Brazil teams will do it. I would probably Great. go PH Zin with you if I had yeah, to yeah. pick. Um, based on what I saw in Saudi, I don't think any of the Middle East teams are going to be yeah, I, good I enough. Also, similarly in DreamHack, like, uh, I don't think any of the, I think there was four, maybe three Middle East players that were there, and none of them did well. I don't think any of them qualified for the build finals, and, and his solos, of course, but um, similarly, though, I don't think any of those players, I'm not, I don't think any of those either at 
DreamHack or the Saudi were like recent FNCS winners, though, from memory. Um, so that might be a little bit different. I think a lot of them were just like players who are good on the overall like lifetime Gamepedia PR, basically, it seemed like, rather than here's the current best Middle East players. Right. Um, although I think Spy is just play second or, or did he win? I can't remember. No, Rapid and Halon won. Either way, I think it'll be interesting to see how the top teams from that region do now that it's actually we're getting you know we're getting the cream of the crop coming through from the smaller regions because it's basically just like whoever won fncs yeah and you have to be good and i would assume we've played pretty much the same meta all year mm -hmm. so please don't make massive changes and turn all these players into just well totally different people grapple gloves and then we'll be happy uh, yeah. uh and because like uh, it's so boring for me watching like when i'm switching to commandments games right i'm like Okay, so they don't their mid game's not that good. And then I'm watching end game and I'm like, there's a grapple glove team. There's not as much to learn in terms of like an analytical perspective. Um, so I'm like, ah, oh, right. If there's no grapple gloves though, now you got to think a lot more. Uh, and it's mo and you know, most teams weren't like that, but there are just some games I watch where I get like, oh, they got grapple gloves, they got ten uses, they got good mats. Just, I know that they're just gonna do well already, you know. Yeah, front side box up, front side box up, and then nice. You got a top 10 without doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd rather that not be here next season. We'll see if it actually is or not. Um, and I think then you're going to start to see... I mean, I was going to say you're going to start to see smart people qual. It's the same. It's, we've seen that already. <laughs> you know, Everyone's already doing really well. It's super smart. So Yeah, that's why I think Boog and Mira will do really well. They've never yeah. relied on any kind of like movement other than cars when they're in the game, which mm -hmm. everyone had when they were using. Um, so, granted, if we get you, a no, how do you think? Meta, uh, how do you think they're going to do against some of the EU players? Because obviously, you know their playstyle is very Elim heavy. Obviously, they're they're consistent in their playstyle, but like they in their each, but they like very. They're always like the highest average Elims per game in a finals. How do you think that all fair going up against like the Ugin rest Mira of the world? Or? Yeah, that... they always frag it. They're three point nine or something like that. Oh yeah, you're right. They did. I don't like. They don't frag out with seven. like ten yeah, yeah, yeah. games, right? They're getting no, no, no. four, five, six, seven, mm. and it's just consistent. Um, which I think is like the biggest thing. But the reason why they they win essentially is like, uh. They are both amazing solo players, and they will play mm -hmm. Endgame together really well. But when one of them goes down, it's typically only one of them. They normally never go down together. And then B Booga, you know, sneaks out, gets like five, ten extra more points, where Miro does the same. And mm -hmm. they just clutch up those points every single game where I think their mid-game um, is almost as flawless as it can get like being an edge map team where yeah. you're having to rotate north almost every game that could have been a massive problem for a mm -hmm. lot of teams but then they understand how to rotate and get surge especially mm -hmm. with the changes um or this fncs they just hey you get you're contesting us we're gonna go land off to the side bully you while you're trying to do shit and then we're gonna run away mm -hmm. and we have surge and <laughs> we don't so thanks for taking our okay. drop spot I think they will play very well. Obviously, they are two of the best players in the region mm -hmm. for a reason. Um, Buga has that understanding of layering in Endgame, and I think he just always is putting himself and his team in a good position. Interesting. Rarely, if ever, do you see them getting bullied in Endgame, but 
then we haven't seen them have to deal with a Malibuka or Mustache yeah. in Endgame. Levin, so so I've got two points about that. Firstly, uh, Levin always taught me, he said something like two seasons ago, or maybe last season, that opened my eyes, and it just made me think about, especially watching other regions and, and, and the, a lot, where it said, could they do this play, whatever it is, if and not be pre-edited by Malibu and Mustache? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the metric I use for like if a play works now, where I'm like, would Malibu and Mustache kill you while you're trying to do that or not? Uh, most a lot of times it's it's no uh, that would not work. Uh, so it's always in, especially there was like a lot of I can't remember if it was finals or it was one of the qualifiers I was watching or semis. One NA East game where there was a player on low ground just running around for like I think it was one of the semifinals or maybe even like an earlier round when they're running around and didn't get shot once for like three zones. I can't remember who it was. I was like, how has this person not died yet? Like there's like why has not one person looked this way? Anyway, the point I'm making. Uh, I want to see actually how they play. I'm going to jump in the VODs from Bugan Miro uh, before the season ends. And hopefully the VODs will probably disappear then. Um, so I want to see how they play because I remember very vividly watching back in the end of you know Chapter 2, Season 8, when uh, Bugan Miro were doing really well. I remember watching Bugas Tarping in particular. And like they, he was not putting them into good positions at all. Like He was more this was almost probably a year ago now so hopefully he's developed a lot in that time but he was always like there was tons of tarping fundamentals that he was missing out on like uh firstly he was just fighting everyone while he was tarping i'm like you're in trios <laughs> man like calm down you have you have miro and muzz at that time because it was before he switched to jukes i was like just let them do it like he would stop tarping to like shoot people at the same time i was like you you have a priority which is to keep moving here obviously it's a you know maybe a play style I need to check how they play in duos but that was one thing. There was a lot of like never found dead side, never tarp deeper into zone transitions. There was a lot of stuff because I was just watching like Seti tarp and then I watched Buga tarp and I was like, there's a lot of differences here of like what I would say relatively basic tarping mistakes. So I hope that those things have been cleaned up and I would expect so since they just keep placing so well as well. Yeah, I don't know. They don't play a ton, which is the problem mm. to be able to clean up those fundamentals. Um so while I, I think they have gotten better on the layering, I don't know mm. that like the overall play style has been cleaned up to your point or Levin's point of will they be able to do that with Malibu and Mustache on your wall? Probably not yeah. most of the time. Similarly, though, I think those are two guys who if Malibu and Mustache are on their wall, like if they trade 50-50, like I'm sure they're going to hit like an equal amount of shots, you know? It's like the, the, one of the strong things about Malibu and Mustache is the fact that they hit like every bullet, but like mm -hmm. Mira, so does Mira and Booga. So, you know, they're at least more even on that front. Yeah. Well, the problem though is it happens before you know it. Like That's true. that pre-edit is down and you're getting <laughs> shot before you're like, yo, there's somebody on our wall, chief. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, no, nah, I'm just dead. I am worried about the players who don't play a lot, though, especially coming towards this. Like, I feel like they're players who are the top of their region who are just cruising. And I think when they come across some of the best players in the world, they're going to be very surprised. Yeah, well, especially because EU currently has the best practice in the world mm -hmm. and they are the best region right now. So whew, that's um, <laughs> not looking good, but we'll see. I mean, there are players on NA East just looking at it like, Fatch and Pams do play a ton. Duke clicks play yeah. a ton. Uh, can't say this the same for Commandment Avery, although they were scrimming right after they just won FNCS, so that could be good. good. But, I mean, Cold Scented, Acorn Edgy, 
all guys that, that play a bunch and then i can't necessarily say the same for everyone else so mm, interesting we will see i may be wrong they could just be playing where i'm not looking now i said this was going to be the last one but we can go into one more thing that yeah, we brought up it, hit me with it. you want to yeah, absolutely. Hit me with it. All right. So you mentioned the online qualifier system for mm, FNCS. Yeah, yeah. Um, talked about it a couple times on the podcast, mm-hmm. but would love to to get your thoughts and maybe potential improvements to make it better. Yeah. So I, I'm not a man with answers for this. I'm a man with complaints. <laughs> uh, I do have some solutions. So I think the biggest problem, there's multiple problems. I think Shio brought up a really good one to me was that as say just an individual season, you you see the best players less and less. You know, for most esports, it's you'll see you know the bottom teams will get knocked out, and you'll just see you know if it was like a elimination bracket or double elimination bracket, whatever it is, like you're seeing the top teams play more and more as it comes to finals. But in Fortnite, like you know, Tayson, Chapix, you know, Queasy Vino, the Malibu Mustache, the guys who qualified in qualifier one, we didn't see them for like a month. And then you see them in the finals. So immediately, like, and as soon as you see a lobby that has top tier players in it, you know the difference. It's way more exciting to watch than like semifinals day three. So that's a big problem to start with. Secondly, it's the same thing every season. And I'm not saying that's bad because like some sort of repetition is good, but it's too much, man. We've had 14 FNCS. Like I've seen this. I, I know what happens, you know, even though there's small changes, all this kind of stuff, it's just the same thing. And then there's nothing new, nothing like innovative, nothing that makes it more interesting to watch. And then you add on top of that, the fact that nothing matters season to season, like one season's over, forget it. doesn't matter. Start a new season again. Like my notes are so difficult to carry over season to season because it's just like, well new teams new players all this kind of stuff so it just in my mind in my eyes like i think the way that it would work the best would be uh i say the best i just a simple fix Uh, who knows what the actual best would be (laughs) would be like an online season and then an an in-person season so you know say look back to like world cup and how that worked where there was say 10 weeks of qualifiers that's a lot say we had four weeks of qualifiers in one season and like in you know, depending on which region it was, say top two in EU or top three, I don't know, whatever it was, in that qualifies you to next season's LAN event, right? And then say in the smaller regions, you know, maybe it's four weeks, maybe they have four slots or something like that. And it's just, they win each week. So every single week, a win matters. And you're not taking out five of the best teams week one. You're taking out one team or something like that. Next week comes, it's the same thing. But if you have it like a four a four week or a four round qualifier like it is now so like you know the the normal fncs qualifier you've got rather than just do that but on that sunday you have top team qualifies for the land next season and then the next season is a land and it matters season to season it's not as repetitive you know prize pool can be put into both whereas i don't know or and then that land season you just have like more interesting cash cups maybe bigger prize pools then so it's like you have your FNCS qualifier season, in-person season with more interesting online events for players who can't play it. Do that twice a year, done. Okay. I'm, so two online, two in-person, and yeah. the online much lead into less, the yeah. in-person. Okay. That's like a that. very simplistic way, I would say, of fixing it. Um, because it's it's very easy to like oversaturate with things, you know, with whatever tournaments it may be. Um, and, you know... I think, especially with the amount of money it's given out, the amount of players that there are, I think like two international events a year 
cool sorted maybe there's more maybe there's less i don't know what it is but like that qualification for me where it's like you know you have half a year each time with each team is a much better than one season then they all split up yeah when i think one of the pitfalls of this invitational has been you don't really know who gets invited like you kind of just gotta perform the best that you can and hope that was good enough and we've seen some invites all over the place for this one um granted it's been like however but if it was a structured thing where you know you know going into the season if i do this in fncs online i'm going to be able to go to the in-person or whatever it may be would definitely build more hype um i also think that like the actual format that we have of fncs like you mentioned it just gets worse and worse and worse and then we have finals which is the best it's like yeah the first day and the last day are the best and then it just yeah. gets worse in between because let's be honest who cares about semifinals three not me like, i know it's like the best it's funny it's like the best format we've had but it's not good yeah it's good for the players it's not necessarily good for someone watching or someone mm. to care because I don't even I'm trying to think I'm sure there is one outlier of a team that did well on like a semifinals day three into finals but for the most part they are the bottom feeders of those finals lobbies and it's irrelevant as to who qualifies they're just maybe going to contest someone and that will be Mm -hmm. the most relevance they have uh which I feel bad saying but it's true like sorry I mean I mean it is true it is completely true Uh, you know sometimes you have good semifinals players teams absolutely like uh uh, last season, was it was it Hen and Queasy? No, they won. No, it was uh, was it Aqua and Vino. Last some fucking season, a winner <laughs> came from semifinals. I can't remember which one it was. So there there is good teams who come from that. Like Joe and Ziandi this season came from semifinals day two, uh, and they placed fourth. So it's like there there is a lot of good teams who come through it, but it's similarly just kind of boring. Um, and I just we especially like it shows in viewship. Right, if you put FNCS in a video title. For like the last year, it will not do well. I can tell you that right now. Like it's, it's because like the casual audience doesn't see FNCS as something interesting. It's not something that's like, oh, I need to watch this. And it should be because it is like uh, it, watching finals is amazing. You know, like yeah. I love like that finals environment every single time is awesome. But yet, like that's not been translated over to the bigger audience. Like Fortnite audience is unreal. Like the size of like the casual game is so big. And there's so much potential, but they're not being hooked in by the, the term FNCS or just what's happening right now. Yeah, I think my best way to improve, like FNCS, say, yeah, hit me with it. Nothing changes. It's online again. Um, it just has to be a, a seasonal thing. Like you play hmm. five weeks of the season, and let's say 45 duos advance, and we have one day of semifinals. That way we're not just like wringing this thing dry with as mm. much semifinals as we can get. And then whoever the most consistent teams were, there's no weekly qualifiers. You have to be consistent over the five weeks. You move to finals. And then we have five more teams or however many. We could call it nine mm. more teams. However, pick a number. They qualify through the semifinals and then we get finals. That way, you know, there is buildup. Each week is important. There's going to be those storylines that continue from week to week. It's not like, oh, the best team qualified week one. So then other people went to their drop spot. They qualified. Mm -hmm. And no, we're having everybody play against the same people pretty much week to week. 
Um, that would obviously be ideal. And then, you know, like a pure series points, basically. Yes. Yeah. Like a couple, like four or five weeks of series points leaderboard. I think, I, I, I think that would be better. I don't know if it would be as exciting. Like, I don't know if, well, it's not exciting right now. So I can't really say as exciting, but like, yeah, I think that would be better. Cause I'd rather watch, like, I'd rather watch Tayson Chapix, you know, every week rather than see missing them after week one. You know, you're like, ugh, okay, they're gone. They would just need to be some, maybe you had like, you know, what would be cool is maybe you gain like series points for every win as well. So yeah, like so. if you win, so if you win a game, it matters more in terms of like series points overall. That would be go. a good idea. Like yeah, five series points per per victory royale or some mm. shit like that. Um, we could also actually have the match point be relevant and True. like not just have it be there as a rule that's never going to be touched. Um, I definitely agree with that. I I think. Here's my the biggest issue I have with match point is that it wasn't tried and it wasn't tested. Like I my feedback coming into this season that we just had was put it to 300 points and go for it. Like if you're gonna try it, you have to try it. Like right now, it's it's not a match point; it's a mercy rule. You have to just like <laughs> if you hit that threshold, the game just ends. Like the whole point of a match point system is that it gets more intense. It build oh they hit 300 points threshold will they will they win a game or, or or break over that you know they should literally just make it they hit 300 points then you have to win a game right and that's what they should have done for this season's finals and because if it was rubbish and awful cool they've tried it they, what they're going to do now i'm sure is just leave this match point format in and like they're never going to have tested it properly and they may adjust it for like a, a lan event or something and it might go horribly wrong and be really boring instead of just like seeing what happens if they do it like across the last two and a half years was like if you're doing everything online i feel like by this point we should have the perfect format right like our fncs format should be amazing because we've had so many different iterations of, and attempts to test it figure out change it try new things see what it is but we essentially have like the same thing we did in chapter two season next or chapter one season <laughs> next it's like it's like three years of fncs and we have very close to the same format so you know, I the match point annoys me because I'm like, this there's something that could have had big potential if we tested it to see what it was like. Yeah, it's upsetting that it was just thrown into the rules and then mm. nobody would have actually won a tournament with the match point format. Teams well, he, he would thing, have right? won game 12 mm -hmm. and won the tournament anyway and then match point format win. But like, that's irrelevant, you know? Imagine any East, Pamsu and Fatch, won game 12. That would have been a tournament win for them rather than placing third because they won that final game if it was just 300 points and win a game after that. Like, they would have won that game. That would have been unbelievable. That would have been such a good finish. Could you imagine how amazing that was? Yeah, but no. you have Bugamiro go down, then you have the commandment clutch, and then you have mm -hmm. these guys win the game on top. Like, I would just be, I was watching it on the plane on the way home. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting there screaming. My wife's like, what are you <laughs> doing? But <laughs> yeah. it would have been amazing. I, would that have. would have been like the best finish. And you know what? Maybe match point would have just been rubbish. Maybe it would have been uncompetitive, but we would have tested it. We would have tried it and we would know. Now we're going into like a fourth season with match point in the rules when it means nothing. And it's like, is it good? Will it be fun to watch? Like, I don't know, because we've not tested it as a tournament. 
Well, in this season, more than any, we, we've reduced the amount of Elam points and left mm-hmm. the match point format at the same thing. So it's like really <laughs> just laughable how out of the question this thing is. Just um, forgotten about. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And, and that annoys me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, We're an hour and a half in. Jeez. Let's go. Easy. Yeah. Uh, you said it was going to be a long one. I, I, I it could, could be much longer. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, I'll let you go here. You're All a busy right. man. I know you got some YouTube bangers to be working on. I do. So, um, got to be sifting through Asia VODs right now. Yeah. Nice, nice. All right. So, closing out, got a couple of questions for you. First of all, pick yeah. your favorite Fortnite skin. I think I know the answer to this one. Big Blue Blob. Nice. Do that. Okay. Yeah, it's name. Uh, Ripley versus Sludge Blue. There you go. <laughs> What a name, what a name. And then um, where can people find you? What are you going to be up to in the, the coming weeks? At Resub on every social media you could possibly imagine because, kids, that's how you do branding, I tell you. Uh, choose a name that's weird enough so that you can find you on every social media and that's available. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be just banging out YouTube videos, trying to get two a week done uh, on one analytical, one storyline style video a week up until the uh, Invitational. And then uh, I'll probably take a break because I'll have to do lots more work and study and fly, hopefully, uh, if I'm going to, we'll see. Um, so we'll find out all that stuff. You know, the Resub YouTube channel, home of all interesting Fortnite competitive videos. There you go. You heard it from him. Resub on mm. Twitter, YouTube. That's pretty much your two, right? Sometimes. Yeah, I have all the rest of them, but they don't really matter. If you <laughs> want right. to watch me lift, you can go on my Instagram. <laughs> all right. We'll see him get, get big, put up some weight on Instagram. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Reese. Really enjoyed this conversation. Always. Thanks for having me, man, as always. Uh, yeah, dude, it's, it's awesome getting to talk mm. Fortnite with you and uh, learn about what you do. So I appreciate mm. you joining me. And I hope you all at home enjoyed this. If you did... You can send me a DM on Twitter, somebody's gun. If you didn't, you can send me a DM and complain on Twitter. That works too. I may or may (laughs) not open it. Now, uh, thank you guys. Y'all have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next time.